Welcome to Sausage on a Fork, a podcast dedicated to the UK's longest-running children's drama programme, Grange Hill. My name's Neil, and in each episode, I'll interview a former cast member about their life before, during and after their time on the programme. Welcome to the next episode of Sausage on a Fork. I hope everyone's getting in the mood for Christmas. And I am very happy to say that I have been joined for this episode than none other than Jonathan Lambeth, who played Danny Kendall. Jonathan, welcome to Sausage on a Fork. Thank you very much, Neil. Um, Almost Merry Christmas to everyone. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. Excellent. Not a problem. Okay, what we'll do, Jonathan, is we'll start the way we start every episode. And if you can tell us how you got into acting. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a complete fluke, really. Um, I had a friend who used to go, I went to a normal school, just uh-huh. a comprehensive school, and I had a friend who used to go to a kind of like a drama class in the evenings. Right. It'd just be a couple of hours, you'd do vocal stuff and improvisations and little scenes and stuff. And it was, it was mainly about um, building confidence, really, and, and uh, uh, having a bit of fun. So, so I, w- I started going along to that and went along with him for a while. And um, the lady who ran it used to send people to audition. She was also an agent. So she uh, was an agent actually for Ricky Simmons and Alison McLaughlin um, oh, right. as well. So I'm not sure if they went to the classes, but uh, so, um, and she was famous for sending people to the wrong people to the wrong audition. Right. <laughs> so, um, so the first time she rang me up, she said, Jonathan, you, you, I need you to go and sing uh, at this audition for a West End musical, um, and it's it's this afternoon. She never gave you any notice. <laughs> I said, well, hang on, um, I, I can't sing. I don't <laughs> sing. And uh, she said, yes, you sing. You sang last week in the thingy. I said, no, I think you must be another Jonathan. She said, oh, you're that Jonathan. Oh, well, go, <laughs> go, go anyway. So I went to this, it was for Abacadabra, the West End musical of Abba. Right. And um, I, I, I mean, I absolutely can't sing, but I, it was before my voice had broken. So it wasn't like cats being tortured, <laughs> right, totally. um, but, but I didn't get the part. Um, and then the next time, I think she sent me to one and I walked in the door and I went, no, no, you're not what we're looking for at all. <laughs> uh, uh, and I hadn't even opened my mouth. So um, anyway, this, uh, the next time she rang me up and said, um, so um, I'm very keen on sending uh, 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 and she mentioned my mate's name and said to to um to an audition because i think he he would be good for it i think it's for um they're doing auditions for grange hill and they want people who are for a normal comprehensive but he he you know i think he'd be better if he had some company so i said all right great you know should be good so so i i went along with him and um we did this audition and it was with um ron smedley who was the um the excellent producer at that time Mm -hmm. and um uh, the brilliant Ed Pugh, who was the lead director on the series. And um, we did some improvs and a few scripts, and they asked us mm-hmm. a few questions and stuff. And it was great fun, and I wasn't nervous at all because right. I wasn't there for me. Yeah. You know? and, um, uh, anyway, got a call back and said they'd like to see you again. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, uh, this is interesting. So, <laughs> so I, th- I think I did another one just with them, and I think that was the first time I saw a script, and there were some bits with Danny, and they said – you know, do a bit of a, a sort of uh, North London accent, which wasn't difficult because I was <laughs> low, pretty much from North London. And um, but I didn't, I still wasn't thinking much about it really. This was just uh, you know another interesting uh, exercise, really. Yeah. So I then got a call back to go out to BBC Elstree and uh, 
suddenly this is getting serious. I'm thinking, oh, hang <laughs> on. Um, they're actually interested in me. You know, it's not just for fun. Yeah. So, um, so I went out to um, Elstree Studios, uh, the BBC ones, and um, instead of just Ron and Ed, I think there was Ron and Ed and two, a couple of others, maybe Anthony Mangella was there, uh -huh. brilliant Anthony Mangella, but um, Phil Redmond was there. Right. And um, I, I think, as far as I know, it's the only time I've ever met him. Um, but he, he, something came back to haunt me because in the first audition, they'd asked me if I watched Strange Hill. Right. And while I had done when I was younger, um, when Tucker was in it, I hadn't watched it for a while. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to give that trite answer of, yeah, I love the program, watch it every time. I, I was honest. I said, no, I don't watch it. Don't think it's very realistic. <laughs> and they and they thought it would, they really laughed at the time and thought, oh, this is interesting. And they were asking me about it. Anyway, so I go on to this, uh, this third audition and Phil Redden was just staring at me and quite early on, in the audition, Ron says to me, now, you said earlier, you know, in a previous audition that you didn't watch Grange Hill, you didn't really like it. Can you tell us a bit more about that? <laughs> Phil Redmond's just glaring at me, um, <laughs> not saying a word at all. And uh, I was like, oh, well, uh, just, you know, just don't think it's very realistic. It's not kind of my thing, yada, yada. And I was sort of digging myself out a bit. I didn't, you know, I, 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 <laughs> perfectly good television program, um, but I was in a hole. Anyway, I, I, I was certain after that audition that um, that was the end of the road and it had just been a, an interesting experience. Um, and uh, about a week later, my mum gets a phone call and she's just laughing away. <laughs> And then she comes off the call and says, oh, they want you to be Danny Kendall in, in Grange Hill. So, um, so amazing, really, just a complete, yeah. um, complete out of the blue surprise. And I think probably they saw something in me that reflected a bit of Danny Kendall's character uh -huh. and, you know, being from a comprehensive school and everything. And, and that was that. So, um, yeah. So was that the first, then, the first acting job that you had then? It was. I hadn't even done uh, drama at school, anything. Only this this drama class, um, you know, in the evenings for yeah. a few months before it. But um, no, it was uh, it was not something I'd really ever thought about. Right. So so what was it like then joining the program? Uh, it was. I mean, it was it was slightly dreamlike. Um, right. The whole thing, you know, complete out of the blue, and I wasn't a particularly outgoing kid. I hadn't done an awful lot, so this was all completely new to me. Um, and going to the studios itself was a bit like sort of a mix of going to Disney or, you know, <laughs> Harry Potter world or something. You were just walking around and everything was just quite slightly fantastical. There were um, other members of the cast were in the green room sort of tap dancing and singing because they were mostly at stage school. So they yeah. all, that was kind of homework for them. And um, uh, there were production people everywhere in this big studio and you walk past half the cast of EastEnders because they also filmed yeah. <laughs> the, uh, out at Elstree at the same time. And um, then the, 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 the vivid memory of the studio itself, I think quite early on we got taken down to the actual filming studio where the, the, the indoor set was. Uh -huh. And nothing quite like it, the feeling of going into the studio, sort of tingle goes down your spine and it's all slightly dark and the lights, you know, the red lights come on for, for, for recording. And um, there's just this hush. And uh, it's, it's just, it was so exciting. It was really yeah. quite, quite amazing. Um, quite intimidating as well. Um, yeah. 
these people that you that you have seen on television <laughs> and um, uh, who've obviously been working together for a long time. Uh-huh. But um, I had uh, our agent had arranged a little meet up with Ricky and Alison before right. we before we went. So at least I, there was a couple of faces I knew uh-huh. on day one, and then very early on, I think as others have told you, Erkan came and introduced himself as he right. did, yeah. you know, to, to to pretty much everyone who joined and. Would, would sort of introduce you to, around, so you'd um, yeah, you, you, there'd be a few uh, a few yeah. friendly faces, and but I mean it was all just fascinating, but you, you didn't think about it too much. It was just this kind of fantastic experience, uh, yeah. and each thing was new. Suddenly you'd, you'd get a big bundle of scripts in the post, and then you'd sit around for your first read through, and early on there'd be all the writers and the producers, and then the whole cast in this big room. You'd be like, oh my goodness. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then, and then start rehearsals and it, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Really oh, fantastic. Okay. Cause Danny was already supposedly, uh, an established pupil at the school. We just hadn't right. seen him before. And it was when, uh, they, they got a few other pupils in that year group, didn't they? They like sort of sandwiched them in between a couple of years and, Danny's first appearance, we, we get to see pretty much what, what 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 kind of character Danny's going to be like, you know, because he was smoking was the first time we see him and he oh, gets, yes. he gets yeah. caught by Mr. Griffiths and then Mr. Griffiths shouts at him, he just looks at him and walks off, which Danny did quite a bit, didn't he? <laughs> he, he was an absolute specialist in that. I mean, he was consistent. The one thing about Danny, you know, he, he really didn't care what people thought and he was consistent in his behaviours throughout. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure that in the first 12 episodes or so, he walks out on every single teacher <laughs> yeah, in the school. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, so I think they just established that, that as his his way of doing things. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll look, great. there's a line there. When Mr Griffiths eventually catches up with him, he's with Mr Baxter, and Mr Baxter says he's going to take him to Miss Parties, and the line that tells everyone what kind of character Danny Kendall is, I think, is when... Mr. Baxter says, I dare say she could have done without meeting Danny Kendall on her first day. And I, I think that just sort of yeah, sums him up straight away. Yeah, because he has a very good relationship with Mr. Baxter, yeah. who is almost a little sympathetic uh-huh. to him to some extent, but but also slightly, um, a little probably a little tired of having to deal with him. Yeah. Uh, and like you said there about him walking out, because when he eventually gets to, Miss Partridge's office. All he wants to do is find out where what registration group he's in, and then he just go. He says, "I'm going home now. Now that now that I know what I wants to know, I'm I'm going." And like you say, it's not for the first time that he walks out of school. And there's another bit in that when, when Miss Partridge finally finds Danny Kendall, he says that he's not Danny Kendall. <laughs> he's another... <laughs> like, and then that, we mentioned there about the smoking. He was always looking for a smoke in the first series, wasn't he? Yeah, I think there was him and him and Miss Booth both trying yeah. to, uh, I mean, trying to the, find places. Someone says to him, I don't know what it might have been one of the workers or a cat or, or a pupil cam member said it, it, it stunt your growth. Now, obviously, yeah. Danny was a lot smaller than everyone else. How old were you when you were playing? Oh, um, I was. I think then it was about thirteen or fourteen, right. something like that. Yeah. Um, so you know, and that was that was one part of his character. He is small. I am small. So it it, it works really really well in that respect. Although I don't know how much scientific yeah. truth there is, but it is something people say a lot. <laughs> I mean, and um, again, he didn't care. No, he didn't. But he, I mean, he never backed down from 
you know, a fight, would he? Like, he and he'd stand his ground, and there's that bit where two lads go for him, and he, he stands and he, he fights back, and then yeah. he gets the gets the spanner, and then that's when the fiberglass because Imelda used fiberglass on people, and it came from when Danny cracked the pipe with the spanner when he was after going for them lads, and he set yes, the fire of alarm off as well. Yeah, you're right. There's a, there's a domino effect there, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 he is a survivor. I mean, he completely, you know, learned how to survive uh, and get what he wants in those situations. Yeah. But but there's always there's always a bit of trouble around the edges there. And, yeah, I think he probably uh, caused a few problems down the line. Yeah, I mean, the other thing as well, it was all that time. It was, after the fire alarm got set, set off, there was another bit where there was an act, there was an actual fire and part of the building got closed down, which meant the classes all had to go in, into the hall together. And there's one of them where Danny just picks his chair up and walks over to another class and it's like, what are you doing? He went, well, that, they, their class sounds more, far more interesting <laughs> than this one. Like, and I he, think so many people wish they had that gumption. Yeah. You know, I do. I, it, just what a, what a great idea. Why yeah, not? I mean, like I said this to Ricky, I mean, Aunt Jones's character said a lot of things that a lot of pupils wanted to say to their teachers. Right. And Danny, I think, was the same. You know, a lot of people would have loved, as you've just said there, to have been able to act like Danny Kendall. Yeah, I'm not sure the teachers loved him quite so much. But, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the whole rebellious, slightly underdog character always plays well. You know, yeah. he was all, I was very lucky in that regard. He was always popular with, with people from that point of view. Yeah. Um, I mean... Just interesting. I mean, when, when you were on the show, was, was there anyone that you were sort of particularly close to or, or best friends with? Um... Well, I mean, you slightly you were spoiled for choice because there were there were so many lovely, interesting people on uh-huh. on the cast. Um, but there's also I always really enjoyed chatting with the crew, um, the production team, uh-huh. uh, and then the supporting cast as well. So uh, the the sort of uh, the, the the speaking parts, as it were, would would be in around rehearsals and the filming. But come the filming, all the supporting cast would be in, uh, and there were lots of lots of uh, good people there. Uh, but I think, as others have said, you tended to congregate a bit more with the your year group, right, yeah. um, almost. The people who you'd started with, you had that affinity with them, um, and you would do some scenes with them. Although, of course, typically I wasn't. I, I probably did more than half my scenes with, with teachers yeah. um, rather than my specific year group. Um, but there was a fantastic group um, the, the, the lovely and entertaining people like uh, Sarah McGlasson and um, Ricky Simmons, yeah. uh, Fiona, Simon, who joined us yeah. um, a year later, Alice McLaughlin, of course. So they, they were a fab bunch and we'd you know, sort of gravitate. When, when on set, you know, we'd gravitate together. But um, there, were, there were lots of other fab people. It's sort of almost unkind to pick anyone out. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I also – I'm a bit like Danny. I, I – not not always through choice, but I, I tend to sort of be slightly on a different wavelength to people. So I, I would be a bit socially mystified and wander off and, and kind of I really enjoyed watching um, rehearsals going on for other people or sitting in the corner of the studio watching the filming going on and um, just sort of soaking it all up because that, that was great. Um, and there was one of the, the oldies, Tim Polly, played oh. Banksy. Um, he and I would uh, – he, he was keen on amateur filmmaking. Right. So we used to have good chats um, about that that kind of stuff. So there was there was loads, you know. The the yeah. um, as I say, the crew were always really interesting, and we largely kept the same crew year on year because right. um, 
surprisingly, despite the old adage about not working with children, um, the hours were great for a crew. You know, they would work, they would be mm-hmm. nine to six, whereas on a typical film set or something, almost unlimited hours. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was reliable. They knew what days they were working and probably didn't work weekends very often. So so you got to know a lot of the crew as well. So it, it was great. It was a, a really great um, yeah. group of people. Yeah, and I, I'm guessing I already know the answer to this question, but was there anyone that you really enjoyed working with from <laughs> having scenes with? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, again, I was really lucky in that sense that I, I most of my scenes early on were probably with four of the main teacher actors so uh, Mrs McCluskey, Mr Bronson, Miss um, um, Ford and um, uh, Miss Booth sorry and uh, Mr Baxter so um, and certainly early on uh, Karen Ford was absolutely fantastic she she and I had quite a few scenes and she was brilliant at just sort of introducing me to the world of acting and um, gently encouraging and uh, uh, you know, a bit of guidance and, and yeah. working through the scenes together and everything like that. So uh, I really always look forward to um, scenes with her. And then, um, of course, both Gwyneth and Michael Cronin, um, we had we had some good run-ins. And you, you know you always had meaty scenes yeah. um, with them as well. So, uh, but um, obviously my, my uh, long-term nemesis um, <laughs> was Mr. Bronson. Yeah. And, you know, we knew over time that that was going to be a uh, uh, an entertaining relationship and it was always just brilliant fun to yeah. to do, um, uh, you know, as that, uh, as that developed over the years. Yeah. So, yeah, he and I, and obviously out, outside of work, you'll probably come to that, but um, Michael was, was probably, you know, one of my closest friends right. from Grange Hill, you know, which is always a surprise to anyone who, yeah. who knows the series, you know, as being... Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, arch enemies on the show but um yeah he was a fantastic guy and we um we had a lot of good adventures um outside of outside of work as well as um you know always really enjoying the uh, the time on set Uh because i've mentioned i've mentioned this before obviously the chemistry you and michael had was it it was evident on on screen um but also the chemistry you had with karen ford as well yeah And, and I think people tend to forget that because of the Danny Kendall and, and Mr. Bronson storyline. I think because because it was it was it was so good and like I, I know I'd forgotten how good the chemistry was between yourself and Karen until I start until I revisited it. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, as I say, I've, I've always been grateful to her for sort of um, uh, you know introducing me into this and and, and being such a, a sort of role model uh, as an actor. Um, and you know she she was really brilliant and like like most of the other adults had done lots of other meaningful work yeah. um, outside of Grangehill you know it was just one of their uh, acting experiences but um, they the, it was very well written she was obviously brilliant uh, as an actor and there it was the tension between her wanting to be a teacher yeah. and you know in effect keep this person in line but at the same time find a way to motivate him and get the best out of him yeah and you know slightly go against the rules herself and it was it was a really strong storyline and I think obviously in those days schools didn't have a lot of what they have now but I suspect now Danny would be diagnosed with ADHD and given different kind of teaching and support where you'd know obviously working in schools (laughs) and and um, be given a path 
yeah. to, to go down but but there wasn't that kind of thing then you know there was there was only the um sort of yeah. usual avenue for, for for kids and so that that relationship was was pivotal i think to setting yeah. danny up and perhaps was um was broader in some ways than the sort of head-to-head that he and mr bronson had later on yeah you mentioned also michael cronin and there's a scene mm. with there's a scene with mr baxter and mr baxter said to him why do you do it why do you walk out of school and and danny just says well why not <laughs> You know what I mean? He, he 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 didn't see the point of doing things that weren't of interest to him, did he? No, he knew exactly what he wanted. He really yeah. he, and and it wasn't most of what they were offering. Um, and and to some extent, he you know you could argue that he was right. And mm-hmm. there there was this. It was interesting the way sometimes it would cross over. So in the leaping right ahead, but in the final series, there were these. Um, scenes with myself, Michael and Gwyneth, I remember that when we were doing rehearsals, it would be quite difficult because, you know, Michael and Gwyneth would be sparring, you know, uh, over, you know, the, 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 their, their characters, how they were dealing with it. And, and then I'd be saying, well, hang on, this, this, you've, you've got to justify this to Danny. And they'd be like, yeah. no, no, we're justifying this to you know, Bronson is justifying this to yeah. uh, McCluskey, and I'll be like, "Well, but hang on, but Danny." So the, 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 it would spread to the to the actors about how each of their characters was behaving, yeah, and um, what they were wanting from it. And I, it, that's the point where I think all actors get a bit protective of their character yeah. and sort of sort of try and stand up for them a bit and say, "Well, hang yeah. on, no, I'm not in the wrong here." Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it 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 was it, uh, it was really the undercurrent throughout the whole thing, and it did, as you rightly spotted, start with um, with Miss Booth, I think. Yeah, and that we we talked about. Danny didn't want to do things that you know weren't of interest to him, but he he entered the school magazine logo competition because he had an aptitude for art, and um, and he eventually mm. won, but under the name of uh, Eamon McCluskey. Because he thought no one's going to want no one. Yes, Danny Kendall won't win a competition. He, um, he said, "There's just no way that that's going to happen." And and when he did yeah, win, I mean, when brilliant. he did win, he, he didn't seem that that happy about it, did he? Either like, I think he was better at um, bucking the system yeah. than he was when it when it worked for him. Uh-huh. You know, I think that happened repeatedly over the years, and that actually sometimes he'd be on the cusp of something, and. It would, you know, it would come apart maybe because he he uh, he couldn't quite work within the rules that he yeah. was suddenly having to to obey, and I think this this happens time and again a bit yeah. that um, you know he, he enjoys when it goes his way, but actually he's not really used to it. I don't think. Yeah, no, no. And then obviously we've mentioned the art. It's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, we met, and we've mentioned the art there, mm-hmm. and he came up with a uh, the speaking wall idea. But as someone who works in a school, and sometimes I think, what a terrible idea! Really, in, in in practice, in theory, it sounds great. But you know, when you just think, because you were offering yourself open to all sorts of things being written on it, and then eventually, when it did, it had to get whitewashed. But he realised at one point, there's a bit where he realises, oh, someone's written something bad on the wall, like we need to get rid of that, and. I love that he press ganged mm. people into helping him paint over it and paint the mural. When you look, I and mean, when you consider how small Danny Kendall was compared to the likes of Trevor Cleaver and and Vince Savage and people like that, how on earth right. he had he had that that air of authority over him? Like, 
I think it's just, just triumph of determination yeah. over, you know, other things. And you see in all walks of life, don't you? People, people end up achieving something um, despite yeah. the obvious disadvantages. And he was, he was just completely determined. And it, it, again, he didn't really care what people thought. He no. just wanted this thing to happen. So, um, and it was good. It was really good having scenes with, uh, uh, you know, other other actors and other characters as well. That uh, yeah. uh, it was good fun. And of course, uh, they 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 didn't let me near the the Muriel as we called it. The, um, <laughs> nice. uh, sad, sadly, I'm completely talentless uh, at art. Uh, right. Probably a disappointment <laughs> to anyone who's a fan of Danny Kendall. But um, I remember when we were when we were doing it, they. Um, they started off where I was up on some board between two ladders and they started off by giving me a paintbrush that just had one color in it. Right. And they said, right, just paint this bit of the mural. Um, and you know, just, just keep to that. We don't, we don't need a yeah. lot. And I somehow managed to get it wrong. I, I painted over another bit that I wasn't supposed to and caused all sorts <laughs> right. of problem. They were back out these, <laughs> these, um, people you never saw who suddenly appear from within the studios as sort of, art people would, would come around and flurry around and try and make it perfect again anyway next they gave me a brush with no paint on it at all right. so <laughs> you know if you've got a magnet magnifying glass watching that scene you can see that i'm literally painting on something there's absolutely no paint on my brush whatsoever but it was the only safe way to to carry on no so what's, what's the end of that series your first series there's a scene where mrs mccluskey calls danny in and says that they're going to use the logo we came up with for the school magazine as the uh, new school badge. And like most kids would be, all right, yeah, that's pretty cool. Danny was just like, well, I wish you'd ask me. And then she says to him, you know, you'll be remembered at this school for years. And he was like, I don't want to be remembered at this school. You know, I hate it. And I, I just love that again, the fact that, you know, it wasn't in his path. It wasn't, it wasn't in his plan. So, you know why? 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 Yeah. Why? Why should he be happy about it? Like, no, it's it's on his terms, and it's back to the thing. He's on a slightly different wavelength. Yeah. So, it that doesn't make any sense to him. No. It it was his piece of art. It got used, and he doesn't get the same rewards that they think you know you should yeah. get from these from these things. So, um, yeah. I mean, it was that that first series was really you know all credit to the writers and the producers. Because it was really well done, well thought yeah. through. Characters were really strong. Um, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it was and, consistent throughout. And then there's another thing right at the end. There's the last, the last episode in that series is the fun run, and you see Danny uh, in the fun run. And again, you think, I wonder why he's doing that. But he even says in it, I didn't want to enter this stupid thing anyway. And you just think, well, what? Why? He's obviously done it as a favour to Miss Bird, maybe. But he's yeah. still like, I didn't want to do it. Now. Obviously, that first series, 1986, the, the big thing from Grange Hill that year was Just Say No, uh, right. the Zamo's Drugs storyline. And obviously, if you watch the video of the single, you're in it and you're there singing. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a fascinating experience. I mean, in, in terms of, I mean, the core storyline, obviously, um, it, was was really around Zamo, but there was an echo of it throughout. So even the smoking itself yeah. was was arguably a, a sort of uh, image of that. And I think there was there was some people were asking, oh, is, is Danny because he was so quirky? You know, is Danny doing drugs, um, and is he connected to it? And th there was this slight um, sort of feeling throughout that that uh, is there is there a wider problem here? And 
then yes, the the single and everything, which um, I, the magic of television may show you uh, as though I'm <laughs> singing, but right. in fact, uh, I think I I think I sang one line at on one note, and they right. said they said something about right, can we all go a bit higher, sing a bit higher? I, I, I didn't know how to. <laughs> that was it. I only do one note, you know, the pub singer type thing. And um, so there was some some very active miming thereafter. Right. And I left, okay. it, I I left it to the the proper the many proper singers on the cast right. to uh, to do that. But it, it, I mean, it was all really interesting. Who gets to go to a you know a recording studio yeah. and and do that kind of thing normally? So um, and all in a, a a sort of meaningful cause. I'm not sure how much. Uh, real impact it had, but uh, uh, it was certainly the right thing to be doing. And uh, uh, you know, lots lots of the cast did did a brilliant job on that. Yeah, brilliant. And then obviously that led to some of the cast going to the USA mm. with Nancy Reagan and the White House. No, and I know that there was a little bit of animosity from certain members of the cast who weren't picked to go. Were you aware of that at the time? No, I was happily oblivious to it all. Right. Um, I, I wasn't really, you know, I'd, I'd never expected to be part of that. I wasn't um, part of the core storyline and um, uh, wasn't really involved in the whole White House visit thing at all. I think I did hear at the time there was some muttering about, oh, someone would have liked to have gone. Well, of course, yeah, everyone would like a yeah. nice trip to America. But um, really, I've learned most of that from um, from listening to your other excellent right. interviews. <laughs> so, you know, investigative reporter that you are. So, um, uh, no, I mean, it's a shame. Uh, I think um, uh, it would have been great if, if more people could have gone. But uh-huh. equally, they, they did a good thing. And what a what a fantastic experience to, yeah. to, to go to the White House and, um, uh, you know, do those things. So, uh but we, there was certainly a team atmosphere. There was a bit of a celebration, I think, when everyone got back um, for it. But but I wasn't I wasn't part of the either the trip itself or the um, associated angst. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so then that moves us on to your second series, series ten. And again, the first episode, Danny arrives at school and then promptly turns around and, and walks out again. And, Excellent, yeah. And then, and then there's a bit in that few episodes of that series, and I think I, m- I mentioned this on in Karen's interview where she's asked Danny to paint the, the wall of a community centre, and Danny says, well, would it be a good idea to paint the wall, make it look like the Paxton end at White Hart Lane? And she goes, oh, yeah, I can really see that happening. And Danny goes, well, I'm not doing it. I hate spares. Uh, you know, really? God, <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah, uh, that's the episode where Danny has his first blackout as well. Right. Oh, well. Well, uh, yeah, okay, you've really, your excellent <laughs> research has, has picked that one up. I, I'm, I'm not aware of um, uh, him being a football supporter at all, though he did, of course, have the famous red school bag in his pocket <laughs> for, for four series. So whether that was any indication of of, of some, uh, you know, football affiliation. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know why he would pick on Spurs like that. He, he probably hated every team is the yeah. true reality, <laughs> I think. He probably just hated football, I should think. Because so, um, um, in that episode as well, we learn a bit more about Danny. And Miss Booth says to him, why do you always choose to go it alone? And he said, I don't choose, I was forced to. And then we find out that he'd had a twin brother who had, had died when he was born. And Danny blamed himself for it. And you sort of get an idea then about why Danny may be the way he is. 
And I, I think that was quite. I think that was really good, right? That's really clever. That, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was bold, and it was one of those. It wasn't a huge, in the sense that it, it wasn't over many episodes or anything. It wasn't no. talked about an awful lot, so it wasn't a huge storyline in that way. But it was a very bold um, thing to do, uh, and really giving depth to the characters yeah. and adding another dimension. And back to the previous point about some of the teachers being more sympathetic, and uh-huh. and you know probably didn't know that, but nevertheless thought there might be a reason that you need yeah. to encourage this kid not just uh, you know give him yeah. a hard time so um yeah it was uh, again great great writing on on the part of the production team yeah and then in that series danny comes up with the idea for radio grange hill right becomes a bit of a pavement artist as well to try and raise money he does a, a little bit there to try and raise money for radio grange hill and he also is one of the first people to meet harriet the donkey as well, <laughs> oh, dear. yeah, Harriet the donkey. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I, I I appreciate some people quite enjoyed the donkey, but uh, for for me it was a bit. We'd gone from this fantastic series where the you know the the drug storyline and some really good storylines, and for Danny, you know the the, the walking out and the whole establishing yeah. of his character. And then we were seemed to be for about it felt like half a series mainly because I I seem to keep being written out for the middle of each series for some reason there was always some some reason that Danny wasn't there for half a series some illness or something and um, so I felt like I was chasing this donkey around the school for half a series and I I remember saying to the producer towards the end of that series um, do you think there might be some better storylines next year because <laughs> it, it's all right it was a bit of pantomime fun but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it has. I think it's become slightly famous as being one of the less strong right. uh, <laughs> stories on Grange Hill for that time. But yeah, was, I think I met the donkey once. It was, it, yeah. it was all right. Yeah, Harriet F. Danny's red plastic bag, which would have meant him having to get another one. Uh, well, or did it? <laughs> I, th- I, I think he just kept using it damaged. I vaguely right, remember so it had a, had a big tear in it. I don't think he would have gone so far as splash out on another yeah. plastic bag. <laughs> And then, obviously, throughout that series, then there was a little bit of a recurring thing where Danny was having blackouts, and the staff were mm. thinking maybe he was he, he was on drugs like Zamo had been before. Right. And then we met Danny's dad first of all, who was played by Chris Sanders. And I know I know people always liked it when they got family members on the show. It just added that little bit more to it, like yeah. Well, it was funny. We um we had this uh, one of our lovely directors, Margie Barber. Um, was doing those episodes and she called me into the production office and said, would you like to, you know, have some input on picking your mum and dad, <laughs> uh, which was great. So we looked through these books and I'd never seen all these big books, but these casting books of, of, of actors. And we talked about stuff and, and what would be logical and what they might look like. And so the, the couple of actors were, were chosen. Anyway, we get, we get on set and I don't think they'd come in for rehearsals because I think it was only about one scene. Yeah. Um, so I think we went straight to filming on that one and two totally different actors <laughs> <laughs> turned up for whatever reason, I guess, you know, the original actors weren't available and, um, two totally different actors arrived. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they look different to us, <laughs> but you know, they were great and, um, had a bit of a laugh and, uh, they didn't. They were. They were nothing like my parents. But then, <laughs> you know, well, why not? It was. Uh, it, yeah. It was interesting. And I think they. I think there was a bit more, and you'll you'll probably know better than me. But there was a little bit more explanation 
about Danny's yeah. um, behaviours there, I think. Yeah, I'm not that's... sure they were the most focused parents ever. Yeah, that's uh, and then, of course, it's when Danny's dad tells Mrs McCluskey then about his illness and stuff and the fact that he mm. needs to go to the specialist centre in Aberdeen. And that, that's, that's when they start raising money then, don't they? They have the collection for right. him and he, Danny collapsed in school and uh, went to hospital as well. And then, there was always plenty of drama around. That was for yeah. sure. I mean, when you've you've mentioned there about being written out in the middle of series, mm. was there ever any reason for that, or that was it was just your, your no. hours or whatever? No, no, I don't. I don't. As far as I know, it wasn't anything to do with that. I think it was sort of coincidence. Um, sometimes people would be uh, written out for a block if they had O levels or something. Um, uh-huh. Right, happening right at that time. You know, if they could accommodate it within the script something will probably come to later but that um as far as i know unless they got my got my day years wrong <laughs> I, I i wasn't doing um o levels at that point so right. so now i just i just sort of disappear for eight episodes every now and then and <laughs> sort of reappear which was quite random but yeah. there we are yeah all right it's okay and then uh, we met danny's mom in a different scene obviously when freddie and julie went round to his house after he'd been to hospital and Again, a little bit more depth, a little bit more character there. And Danny records the first message for Radio Grange Hill. And then when he does come back to school, he's told about the sit-in protest to go against the, the, the rule book, the handbook. But again, he just doesn't seem that bothered about it. Even though it sounds like something he would be interested in, he's not at all. And on that same episode, he gets into a fight with kids from St. Joe's, St. Joseph's. And Aunt Jones, who's a St. Joseph pupil at this point, comes and rescues Danny along with some of the other lads and while the fight's going off Danny just walks off <laughs> you know, I, love, I love the fact that he's caused the fight he's antagonised these lads caused yeah. the fight and just walks away from it his, his head's somewhere else you know yeah. it's, <laughs> it's just not there but again Danny walking off and what else would he do you know what I mean yeah. he, he yeah. wouldn't do anything else would he no, um, no. He's, he's, he's already thinking about you know some uh, some artwork or something he can do somewhere or yeah. just just being somewhere else. <laughs> and then he he does event he tells people that Julia was the spy, was spying for her dad when it came to the, the, the radio protests and all that. But he says well, she gives him the wrong information, then you know uh, she can carry on, on being the spy. Now there's also uh, there's a bit in that series because Zamo and Jackie got engaged and Danny has a chat with the pair of them and he he just basically says I don't know why anyone would want to get married. And at that point, they've already got a few doubts. And I think right. that may well, the, the, the conversation he has may well tip them over the edge just to say, like, you know, are, are we doing the right thing yet? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure he's the first person I'd go to for, <laughs> li- for life advice. You know, it, what he does works for him, but I don't yeah. know that it works for everyone else. So, yeah. But uh, I had completely forgotten that. But, but maybe that was a whole missed career opportunity. <laughs> the marriage counselling, counselor, yeah. Counselling by Danny Campbell, yeah. Interesting. Um, and then the, the last episode in that series is the cricket match. Yeah. And we see Danny as the, an umpire. In that one, had you had much umpiring experience before? <laughs> well, funnily enough, I think I was the only member of the cast who actively played cricket. Right. Okay. Um, when we were at rehearsals and things, I had they brought in some bats and balls, and I was sort of um, the people who didn't play at all. We were having a bit of practice and stuff like that, and um, so I, I was at that age cricket obsessed. 
Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, so we get to the actual filming. Well, I think others have said we had we were supposed to do a certain amount of tuition every day. Now, it wasn't tuition. You were just sat in a room. <laughs> I don't think the tutors were even teachers or if they were, they didn't teach. They just they kept time of how long you were there and made sure you didn't leave. And um, uh, so they made me sit while people were playing cricket, doing three hours tuition. And I'm like tearing my hair out because I, I actually play this yeah. game. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, I finally got to, to go out and do some stuff. So I did actually know the rules. Um, I'm not sure Danny Kendall did. I can't no, remember okay. what, what, what I, I suspect. I wouldn't have wanted to be one of the teachers batting with Danny umpiring. You know, yeah. you'd, just, you'd be out for just being a teacher. Um, but it was good. It was good fun. And it's, I, I think, as other people said, it was always great fun going off-site, having everyone together in the same place um, and doing something a bit different. And, of course, the actual amount of filming time when you're anywhere is is relatively small compared to the time you're sort of waiting around while they set up shot and yeah. doing all sorts of other things. So there's ample opportunity for a bit of a laugh. Yeah, brilliant. And then, so we, we move on again then to series 11. And Danny had been kept down a year because of all the schooling he'd missed the year before, which obviously he wasn't happy about. Yeah. He wanted to be with the people he knew and, and, and doing the lessons that, that he knew. Um, so he walked out of school, obviously. Of course. Um, <laughs> but then that was the year when hip-hop became quite prevalent in Grange Hill. And obviously uh, Michelle Gale was in mm. was there that year. And he went, he met them at the Funhouse Hip-Hop Club, uh, Fiona and Ronnie. And yes. He... He, you know, he he was into his music, he was into his art, but he didn't seem to be the right person to be the, doing the mixing. The phrase that they used was he was too green to be to to be their uh, their DJ in, in in the competition, which is a little bit unfair on Danny, I think. Um, well, I, how 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 ungreen can you be at that age? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, it, it was funny that because we we were told about this storyline, and one of the lovely production team. Um, came and said to uh, me and Michelle and Tina, um, you know, it might be quite good as uh, in advance of doing those things that we go to a concert and get a sense of how it happens. Uh, uh, at that time, I think Run DMC and Public Enemy were touring, doing a joint tour. Right. And we all sort of said, oh, great, you know, as actors, we want to yeah. be knowledgeable and, and uh, it'd be an interesting experience. Anyway, in, in, the, in the run up to when we would have gone, there were more and more newspaper reports about there being violence and riots and, and all sorts of stuff going on at these concerts. So I think it was probably just enthusiasm, um, enthusiastic attendees, but it yeah. certainly sounded a bit rough, a bit edgy. And, and one by one, we sort of, uh, we all sort of said, um, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. this isn't quite right. the right, the right, the right thing to go to. And I think the poor production assistant lady was, was going to go on her own until then. Um, I think she said her husband said, "No, no, you're not, you're not going on your own." And uh, if it's going to be a bit, um, a bit bonkers, um, so uh, so so we never went, which is a shame because actually I suspect it would have been, uh, yeah, would have been fantastic. But um, yeah, we uh, it was a bit outside uh, outside my experience for sure. Just, just be glad it wasn't the Beastie Boys then, because uh, <laughs> there was no chance. So you definitely wouldn't have been going then. I know they no. came they came to Liverpool once. They lasted about five minutes, and there was a huge riot. I know that. I know that's happened. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think there was a lot of um, let's say positive energy. Uh, yeah. Some of these uh, these things, and yeah. 
Yeah, might um, have been a bit much for a 15-year-old. Uh, uh, in, in that series as well, obviously, that because they wouldn't just leave Danny's illness alone because it would be stupid to do that. So Danny uh, returned, went to Scotland again for, for a check-up and was told he was he was okay. But on his first day back, he says to uh, Miss Booth, the doctors have said I'm not allowed to do games or PE, so can I, can I stay here? And she goes, yeah, she goes, yeah, okay. And I, I just think that that that's just great. The fact that she's got yeah, all right, yeah, I, I believe yeah, straight away. Well, they were they had a they had a you know a relationship. Yeah. They, they they sort of both knew what was going on. So definitely. And the other thing about that year was it was when you you mentioned Simon earlier on. So Freddie mm. Mannering was there by then, and there was a big thing about non-competitive sports, and Freddie wasn't happy about that. And Danny went to school council meetings about it, and again I. I you know, when you watch it, and you just think Danny Kendall couldn't, wouldn't have cared less about anything there. Like, <laughs> no, maybe he. Yeah, I think sometimes maybe he just got a, a bit between his teeth about something, and yeah. I don't think he was. He wasn't a troublemaker, but I think he just, when he thought something wasn't right, yeah, he actually he would get involved, and yeah. he would sort of. I can't remember what the outcome. You, you're going to tell me, tell me what it was. Um, but, I think uh, the yeah, he went. It was about the school not being in the district cup, which had never happened. Apparently, it, it hadn't happened. There was talk of them withdrawing from it, then. But then McCluskey said, "Oh no, it, it, we are still in it," and I think that was the general outcome. Now we we we've, we've, we've just talked today about the hip hop, and obviously Fresh and Fly and Danny perform oh. at the the, the finale. Of the of the series on the on like the the fun day or whatever it is. Yeah. But that came about where Ronnie Bertles had been done for shoplifting and, right. and and was in like a bad place, shall we say. And Danny, had, it was a way that Danny sort of got them to perform as a way of taking their mind off it. And it, it sort of came from Danny because he said, you need something else to take your mind off it. And then Danny went to Mr. Bronson and said, have you got any entertainment for the for the final day yet? And he said, no. And, and so that's like a different side that we see. Yeah. Danny there, and, and and I think that's really nice as well. I think there's there's a, quite a few instances through the series where he's actually kind to people he considers friends. You know, yeah. I, I'm not sure most people they probably didn't think of themselves <laughs> as friends, but he had he had sort of some kind of connection with them, and and um, it, it was a nice example of how the characters weren't two dimensional. And yeah. you know, one of the strengths of Grainshill in this time was that the, the characters were really strong, um, and this was good. And of course. Uh, as I can say, I got to share a stage with the, you know, fabulous Michelle Gale, who was yeah. both both extraordinarily talented. She used to sing at the um, end of year parties as well, mm. um, and uh, but also the loveliest person. So you know, really, yeah, really nice. So yeah, it was another interesting experience. I don't, I don't suppose I'll DJ on stage in front of, you know, I suppose there was about a hundred <laughs> people there too often in my life. So uh, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, when you watch that those clips back. It's quite funny because people all people will always point out little continuity errors, little things like the needle on the record being on the label of the record and not actually on the vinyl and things like that. But I also love the fact that Danny got to lip sync there as well on a, on a couple of bits in 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 those songs as well. If you watch that back, <laughs> he 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 was his own man. You know, he he he, he could use the label and uh you know do some lip syncing it it, it, yeah. it was fine he was leading leading the leading the crowd yeah and so then we move on to series 12 which is your final series mm. 
the, the first episode, he's the first one on the on the on the school premises. He's the first one to arrive, first one to leave. He walks out <laughs> and gets straight into a taxi that Bronson's just got out of. And that this is the series where it all comes to a head. Bronson's bullying, shall we say, because it was bullying. Yeah. Stepped up, it, it 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 ramped up, didn't it? And Miss Booth was worried that he Danny would get hounded out the way, and Jones did. Right. And then Mrs. McCluskey offered Danny uh, some work experience. And there was also the Danny's mosaic design had won the competition for the swimming the swimming pool refurbishments as well. So Danny was doing a bit of work on that and forgot about his work experience interview. So he never went. But then Danny and McCluskey signed up a working agreement for Danny to come into school, better attendance, and she'd sort out the work experience and she'd sort all of the things. And Danny was like, yeah, fine. But Danny also wrote on 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 the on the working agreement, keep Bronson off my back in massive capital right. letters. Yeah. And Bronson wasn't a fan of the working agreement. I mean, he wasn't a fan of Danny Kendall anyway. Um, but he wasn't a fan of this working agreement. And he told he went and told the manager of the design company. He gave Danny a bad reference and a bad report. And and that's when it all came to a head then. And there was a, a huge argument between Danny and Mr. Bronson and Danny went missing. Right. So did Bronson's car. Yeah. And then Danny's found a couple of episodes later um, in the back of Bronson's car. Um, and Danny had died due to a brain hemorrhage. Now, did they say to you, this is what's going to happen, Danny's going to die in this series? Or No, no. It was it was from, from a while back, actually. So um, at the end of each series... You would go into the production office and talk to uh, to Ron, pretty much Ron Smedley, the producer, and uh-huh. and discuss. Um, they they would say, look, if if your character continues next year, do you do you want to come back? And you would say yes or no, uh-huh. and you'd probably have a little discussion about storylines and how you how you felt the year had gone and what you thought going forward. So after the third year, so after series at the end of series eleven, I um, I went into the office and I was. 17 so i was i was right. doing my first year of a levels and o levels had been bearable um while trying to do this but you were missing typically two days a week right. from school and not to mention having extra stuff to do and everything and and um so i knew i was struggling with the a levels so i said right. to them look I, I would love to come back but is it feasible to do um a slightly reduced workload you know have a lighter storyline or as i mentioned before have a block out where i uh-huh. you know so i can do my exams and and things and they said it's really difficult to promise that in advance you know to do proper storylines and to do everything like that so i was thinking well what about if um if danny died right. and I, I was i was thinking that, <laughs> that this would be a way out a way to do half a series but also to have a really strong story uh-huh. You know, they they might do something really good. Um, obviously, he'd had his previous illnesses, so maybe it related to that. Or uh, and they sort of went, oh, and one uh, and um, I think the executive producer David he sort of laughed and said, "It's not often actors come in and ask to write <laughs> write out their character." Um, but I, I I think I knew probably that would be the last series anyway. So mm-hmm. um, so I, I didn't think it was you know changing that much in that regard. And the Anyway, we left it there and Ron later came came by and said, you know, we, we quite like that idea. We're going to talk to the writers about it. Right. 
right. and that that's that's kind of how it came about now it wasn't exactly as i'd envisaged it was all <laughs> a bit sort of the, the build-up to it was great but then suddenly he's just found dead mysteriously in this car yeah. with no obvious cause and i think they were making it up a bit on the fly at the time because they said oh he's probably crashed it while he's stolen it right. and and banged his head against the steering wheel so you 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 see on the in the episode there's this massive bruise um mm. in the in the middle of my head and uh that that was an interesting day's filming because they had this fabulous makeup artist lady who'd just done a load of work on something it was probably before walking dead style but i think it might have been um, casualty okay. or something like that so she she was a real expert in doing these wounds so she spent i think two and a half hours doing this this wound and we're we're shooting and we're in in the car and the wardrobe lady rightly comes up and says oh i don't think danny would have his tie on for this <laughs> shot and i'm like oh okay so i of course loosen my tie a little bit and pull it over my head completely ruining oh, the, no. um, this amazing piece of makeup that the lady that you know I, I i didn't i didn't wear that kind of stuff normally it didn't even occur to me so there was a few tears <laughs> and um, not by me but you know, a lot of guilt by me and a lot of hard work again to get it back on i think yeah. this was the longest day so i think you can see it's starting to get dark mm -hmm. by the time he actually um he's actually found expired and that was mainly due to my um, ineptness with um with costume and, and, and wardrobe, <laughs> wardrobe and makeup. So, uh, uh, and there's, of course, there was a long discussion as well as to whether his eyes should be open or not. Right. Because the point was people normally, as far as they said, when they're found dead, their eyes are open, but they said, oh, that, that could be too scary on kids' TV. Yeah. So, so after much discussion, there was agreement that his eyes would be closed. Um, and which is quite difficult to do because your eyes naturally wobble a bit yeah. you know, when you're, when your when your eyelids are shut so um so yeah it was quite a weird day's filming quite a long day's filming um yeah. and uh yeah but well, but yeah it was a bit mysterious a bit bit kind of random the end but uh -huh. it you know it, it, it was still quite dramatic yeah but but when when the car door gets opened and your head falls back your eyes are open um, are they? there's a bit of an urban myth goes around saying oh yeah if you watch it you can see Danny Kendall blink when he's supposed to be dead, and you just can't. Because <laughs> I remember thinking he wouldn't have kept. There's no way they would have kept that in for such a dramatic thing for him no. to be to blink. No. So they settled on it open, did they? They probably yeah. did both. Um, I'd forgotten that. At they first, probably did I think both. at first, you, you, when when you see him in the car, leaning mm. up against the door, eyes are shut. But when the door opens. Right, head falls back. Uh, wow, eyes they, open. they really, they they really went for it. I'd forgotten that at the time. <laughs> I remember the long discussions, and I guess they just did both. And uh, yeah, I think. Well, who knows? I mean, and does that come about? There's not many people get a um, an actual memorial service uh, in a, in a school as well. And I do love the memorial plaque, which says Danny Kendall, sometime pupil of this school. Because <laughs> I just thought that's great. Yeah. Sometime pupil of this school. Yeah. So. What was the public reaction to to yourself and, and Danny Kendall? Uh, brilliant. I mean, I, I think as I said before, I was I was really lucky. It was a sort of a gift for an actor to have this kind of rebellious underdog um, who you know bucked the system, and people people just really liked it. And and I think it was a bit different to what had happened before because you sometimes got troublemakers, but he was a bit 
it had a bit more to him than just being a troublemaker. Yeah. And um, of course, there was this artistic talent. And I know um, there's, the, I think he, the character sort of was was probably inspiring for for a group of slightly rebellious artistic types at school yeah. in 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 those days. And um, you know, it was so so well written and so consistent, you know, throughout that um, I, I only ever got a good response. And, of course, I think as you've discussed with other members of the cast, it, it was a big show in those yeah. days, three channels. Time, yeah. um, there was one, they used to display the viewing figures for EastEnders and Grange Hill on the internal televisions throughout yeah. Hill Street. And for about a year, Grange Hill was getting more than EastEnders. EastEnders wow. was, was not doing so well at that time. Um, struggling a bit, which was harsh, you know, fantastic cast, really yeah. great bunch of people, but um, just one of those things. Of course, we, you know, we were on at five, I think. They were on, they had a prime time stop at 7.30, but it was just the way things were at that uh -huh. point. And we were like, oh, yay, we're beating EastEnders. We're, you know, we're getting more than 10 million viewers. And so it meant that, you know, a lot of people watched the program and not just kids. Yeah. You know, a lot of, lot of adults, a lot of university students. I think they repeated it. Was it repeated on a Sunday morning? I think yeah. at the end of the week yeah. so you know lots uh, it wasn't just that time of day um and i, I do remember at times it got quite big I, I was with some friends in a big shopping center in north london and having to be smuggled out the back of boots <laughs> right. because it was half half term it's the first half term i think i'd gone out since i was on the program yeah and there was like 150 kids outside wow. you know and the security were were worried that it was just going to get a bit crazy not not yeah. negatively to me but just um that it wasn't something they could control yeah and um you know and i wasn't um, you know there were people much more famous characters in the series than than i was um yeah. so they must have had you know even uh, you know bigger instance than that but it, it was quite um it was quite well watched and well regarded and that was you know just lucky yeah. Lucky for us, you know, as, as cast members, to be some part of something so um, so special. Yeah. So then, so when you left the program, did you continue to act? No. So I I I had worked out along the way that even just in Grangehill itself, there was like at any one time thirty or forty main cast members who all <laughs> were thinking they might make a career out of acting, um, let alone in all the other programs and all the other stage schools and things. And it, you know, it was the best job in the world if you could guarantee work. Yeah. But the worst job if you were unemployed all the time and just going to auditions and being rejected. Uh -huh. And I thought, okay, I'm. I was happy to accept I was not in the leading man category by any <laughs> by yeah. any sense. So you know, you were going to be fighting for a character actor type role, and the downside of there only being three channels in those days. You know, it wasn't like now. You'd probably have a shot if you've got all these Netflixes and Amazons and everyone else mm -hmm. making TV. But um, in those in those days, you, your best chance was trying to go to say something like EastEnders or The Bill, and they'd had their share of Grange Hill cast. Yeah. So I think they'd they'd had uh, they'd had enough at that point. So <laughs> I'd worked out I'd worked out that it was it was going to be a tough career, however fantastic it was. Yeah. And I'd always wanted to be a journalist. So after a brief. I did some extra work and some stand-in work, which is stand-in work for those not familiar, is where you go in and literally stand in for the actual actor while they're lining up the um, cameras and things. Mm -hmm. And then they do all the acting. That's, I mean, it was quite well paid for being a completely you know, um, easy job, but it, it was soul-destroying when you didn't actually get to do the work. 
Yeah. Uh, I think the only exciting thing was I stood in for Michael Gambon once um, in a bath, uh, <laughs> sat in a bath for some Greek god series and sat in a bath for a couple of hours while they lined up cameras and lights yeah. for him to come in and do the actual work. And you just thought, no, this, this, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I went off and um, ultimately uh, achieved my, my previous ambition of, of becoming a journalist and sadly left acting behind. Okay. So are you still a journalist now then? Uh, sometimes I, I spent a while in journalism and then I did sort of similar kind of work for, for big companies. And ultimately it's about writing things, um, doing speeches, presentations, oh, that right. kind of stuff. Uh, so some of it's good fun, some of it's um, less fun. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, there's a creative side to it. So, um, so I enjoy that. And are you still in touch with anyone from the cast in your days on Green Jill? Um, not that often. I exchange the occasional uh, call or message with Erkin, with who, uh -huh. who is the, uh, you know, the, the socialite at the centre of the whole <laughs> cast, I think. Um, and then, you know, every, every now and then, it's people like Ricky or someone, we, we stray across each other and everything. But, uh -huh. um, but not as much as I'd like to. I, we, there was a reunion I went to about just over 10 years ago, and that uh -huh. was lovely to see a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of people. Um, and, of course, I, I, was, um, I stayed in touch a lot with, with Michael Sheard. Um, for you know, for for a number of years, um, see after the series, and um, we uh, he, he and I walked some of the Pennine Way together, right. and um, uh, would uh, would meet up occasionally for a catch up and things. So uh, yeah, yeah, he he was the, the main one I stayed in touch with. Yeah. Can I can um, I can I ask when whenever you were out with, with Michael Sheard, did did anyone recognise the pair of you? Uh, uh, yes, they did. I mean, so, uh, I mean, we did, um, in fact, a couple of times, uh, Michael would call me up and say, oh, can you come with me to this uh, event or other? Because we were a natural combination, you know, it yeah. really made sense. And he was he was absolutely brilliant um, with with the fans and the fan events and things, not just the Crunch Hill. Um, I remember once uh, when we were filming, um, we were chatting and he said, oh, I'm off to a convention in America next week, and I said, "Oh, I didn't even know they showed grain chill in America." That's how <laughs> stupid I was. And he said, "My dear, I've not just been in grain chill. You know. I have done other things. Of course, it was a Star Wars convention yeah. where he was hugely popular and um, would would go and do those kind of things. So, so yeah, um, there there was um, one event in a in a city um, uh, shall remain unnamed, but." Uh, he and I, he, he was going there to help out a friend of his who I think uh, was was very involved with one of the fan clubs. And um, he and I went, he, he called me up and said, can, we, you know, can you come along? And we went up to do this event together as Mr. Bronson, Danny Kendall. Yeah. Um, and he was raising money. It was for a, for a good local youth club charity. So it, it was all in a good cause. And I... Um, uh, after the event, he found out that uh, someone had stolen all the proceeds from the event. So, um, so Michael, being Michael, you know, paid some of the costs and sent a donation um, to the to the event to you know help them uh, cover some of the losses. So, um, yeah. so you know, that was just just testament to him. But we would always have a lot of fun, and I think when we met while we were walking on the Pennine Way, I heard this, Kendall. <laughs> 
echo over the hills and all the people we were walking with like oh my goodness okay mm. this is weird yeah. so i think it was a bit surreal i think people were a bit taken back when they yeah saw oh, you us would together. <laughs> yeah yeah and the fact that we were just you know happily chatting away <laughs> or, or whatever so uh, yeah but, so yeah no we we, we um uh, yeah we did we did quite a few uh, few things as as danny kendall and mr bronson together oh, and we worked cool. really well yeah brilliant like i know everyone everyone loved him didn't they mm. every everyone loved the uh, love michael sheard and just said that just how different he was to mr bronson oh absolutely he was a role model for everyone who was on it and particularly for example in terms of how to behave towards um the people who were watching the shows and uh -huh. supporting you and um you know always being positive and doing the right thing and um he yeah you know, i've been reading the uh the diaries of alan rickman recently you know from they're talking uh -huh. a lot about the harry potter series and you know all very interesting fantastic actor but it's interesting he, he he's quite um sharp sometimes about the child actors and right. and that the, the, they're not necessarily kind of um living up to standards all the time and everything i'm sure they adored him i'm sure he was yeah. a nice guy but i was thinking wow we were so lucky to have people like gwyneth powell and michael sheard and others who were just would just be encouraging supportive and uh you know make what for for teenagers is is can be it's great fun but it's also yeah. quite a challenge at, at that age and and you know michael was was brilliant at that and everyone i think really enjoyed um uh his work but also his company yeah okay so jonathan we are coming to the end now and i've got it the same few questions that i always ask at the end of, of every episode okay. so earlier this year the news broke that there was going to be a Grange Hill movie was, right. was being made. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's a great idea. I, I mean, I think Grange Hill certainly as was is a is a is a loss to the TV screens. Um, I don't think I'm not an expert on that age of children's television, but I don't think there's so many shows now that uh, are quite um, so reflective of school life and you know capture the that audience so well so i think anything whether it suits a movie format i don't know um but i guess if that's how phil redmond can make it happen then great why not yeah. uh it's it's such a hugely popular uh series then let's let's keep it alive yeah yeah and if you were asked would we see danny kendall's ghost well, said, well, or, or maybe to your point about the flickering eyelids, um, <laughs> may, maybe uh, my my view is it was all an elaborate plot right, between okay. between him, uh, between Danny Kennel and Miss Booth right. to get him out of school and to begin his career as a sort of underground artist, ultimately, who takes on the name Banksy. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Yeah, so, I, so I, that's what I think the origins of Banksy are. So I think there'll be a nod in the film there'll be a nod <laughs> to danny kendall with some just subversive artwork yeah somewhere on some of the school walls i mean it, it all, so, it all it, it's very feasible what you're saying because obviously he was at school with someone called banksy so yeah. you know we can steal that name there I, I, it all adds up i am it all adds up. i am fully on board with that theory but you're I, now I, part of the I, inner circle <laughs> who know the truth i so. never thought of that until today but now yeah. I, yeah, I, I can't see any other way be, I, Danny I, I, lives I on. Danny lives yeah. on. So, so while I don't think I'll get a part <laughs> in it, I very much hope there's just an echo of Danny somewhere, yeah. somewhere in there. 
Oh, I'd love, I'd love that. Okay, so you said you'd watched Grange Hill in in the very early days, not mm. so much before you were on it. So who, other than Danny Kendall, who was your favourite character on the program? Oh. <sighs> that's that's really. Um... Bearing in mind, most of the people say Danny Kendall was their favourite character. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's, that's very lucky. I mean, I, I, um, I, I think there are elements of all different um, characters through the different generations. So as I say, I watched Tucker and very much in, enjoyed that, um, uh, that, that era, and, and he was a great character. Um, and I have a fondness for, for Bridget McCluskey right. because I just thought she... she was so, so the heart of the show for that for that period of time. Um, oh, I always enjoyed Gonch's antics. They, yeah. I thought they always found the right balance between um, comedy and real school life. Yeah. So, so that that I always thought that was that was good value. Um, so yeah, you know, lots lots of different ones, but they, they were probably highlights for me. Yeah, and and if you couldn't have played Danny Kendall, mm. was there anyone else you would have liked to have played? Bearing in mind, I I can't see you being anyone else. I, I'm, that's just my personal opinion, to be honest. No, I mean, I mean, both. You know, I I, I think we'd have to suspend all reality. So <laughs> yeah. we'd have to suspend physical and personality and all those kind of things because you're you're right. I I I, I know what I wanted to be, but you know what? I I would if if you could be the spirit of uh, and going into another character. I, they were loads. I'd, I'd like to play every other character in the show. Yeah. You know, it was it was um, it was great. They all had different challenges and and uh, storylines. And yeah, of course, what you'd love to steal is not so much the characters, but sometimes the storyline. The, the yeah. drug storyline was fantastic, and um, uh, others throughout throughout the years. So um, it's more about that. But but yeah, it's so hard to come out of you. You're too loyal to your own uh, yeah. your own character, really. Um, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Cool. Later, right. an older, an older Danny. That'll that'll do. Danny <laughs> in the shadows. Yeah. Oh no, love that. So then, the final question is: Why do you think there is still such affection for Grange Hill? Um, I think everything others have said is right. Uh, is is it was there were only three channels. So uh-huh. There wasn't much telly, and within that, Grange Hill was leading edge. It was different to what had gone before. Um, and you know everyone has an affinity with school but to add to that i'd like to give a shout out to the bbc because um under siege as it is these days from the current shambles of a government in 2022 you know slightly neutered um when it's bold and brave it does amazing things like mm-hmm. no other broadcasting organization in the world and i think grange hill was one of those um, no doubt phil redmond was the driving force but it was the bbc that gave him the opportunity to do something like that and i think um, we are uniquely lucky in having had that at times. And I think that's why Grange Hill stands out so much. Because, I, I, yeah, of course, there were fabulous series later on by independent, you know, Biker Grove and Press Gang and things like that. But uh-huh. I think Grange Hill, the BBC would lead the way and, you know, open the, the gates for, for others to follow. And um, I think I think we've got to give a little, a little bit of credit to the Beeb for that. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on, like I've said earlier on, whenever I ask the other the other people who are in Grange Hill, 
who would he like to have been or who was the favourite character? The, uh, Danny Kendall's name gets mentioned so many times. I've had loads of people asking uh, when I'm getting Danny Kendall on as well. And I've, That's I've very kind. I, I, I was very lucky. You know, you, you are, as an actor, you are the beneficiary of... of of brilliant writing and, and, yeah. um, you know, the production teams and all of that. I was, it was, it was fantastic. Um, you know, from that point of view, but, um, but we, I think you know, I'd just like to echo the thoughts of other members of the cast in saying, thank you for what you're doing and keeping it alive and such deeply researched, <laughs> uh, work on your part and such a fabulous job. So thank you. And thank you for having me on. Thank you. N not a problem at all. It's been brilliant speaking to you. I've really looked forward to this one. So once again, thank you very much for coming on. For anyone that's listening, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas. And I'll speak Happy to Christmas. You. And I'll speak to you next time. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye.